previously on in the moment you know i just i just remember talking to spruce about it and i said you know he's good he's something different about this guy he's good his comedy is you know every week he hits them with different jokes mm-hmm. every month or whatever i haven't heard the same joke repeated and that's to this day i take pride in that right and it's like i wanted to kind of tell this story because i want to inspire people you know in that like Blake and I was talking about earlier, you always see the results of the work. You don't see what the person has to do and is going through during the work. So a little deeper on the story, I remember Mo. When I was working for um, Revolt TV, The Breakfast Club, I remember Mo used to do, he was in the mailroom. Yep. He was in the mailroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember seeing him, you know, he'd come in, he'd deliver mail, i see him and... Some mornings I'd be like, damn, he looks a little grumpy. I don't know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the Brooklyn in me. <laughs> I, I, who the hell wakes up and is excited to deliver mail? <laughs> he'd come in and he'd be like, there you go. <laughs> he'd just kind of throw it on his... Here you go. Yeah, yeah I wasn't, I wasn't the right. nicest <laughs> mailroom coordinator of all time. That's for sure. <laughs> and I'd be like, damn. And then Spruce was like, yeah, no, he's going to do this. He's going to do this comedy thing, man. You yeah. know, try him out. And I just remember that, seeing that, and just realizing, like, damn, he grind. He didn't, nothing was given to him. It was not given to him. He had to work hard for everything. Yeah. And where he's at now, he had to work hard for it. And back then, he had to work hard for it. Because, you know, I know people who started in the mailroom, and they stayed in the mailroom. Yeah. Yeah. But then you went from the mailroom to having, I think it was a show or something on social media. You know, they were trying you out, and... You know, then the comedy thing took off. And then and to give people some quick perspective on that is like when I got to the mailroom, it was actually from somewhat of a demotion because I was at this company to try my hand at music. And I thought that was the end all be all for me. Mm. And it wasn't happening. And Romeo, I always hear about sometimes you saying this is what I want to do. This is my passion. But sometimes it's not happening. You know what I'm saying? As quickly yeah. as you would like it to, yeah. and you're not sure what you should do. And I was at that place, and a lot of people give up in those moments. So I had ended up getting demoted. I, I felt I should have been promoted because I was there three years, yep. and a new guy came in. They gave him the promotion. They didn't give it to me. Mm. They demoted me. They but, gave him a promotion to what? To, what was to like, the top mailroom coordinator. Because it was, it was three people when I first got to the mailroom. Yep. And then one person passed away, and it became a two-man job. Yep. And then that person left. And then they hired a new person, and they made him the head guy. And I had been there three years. So I was pissed, naturally, right? But when I got demoted, quote-unquote, they ended up sending me to a new department. That department just so happened to be next to the, com- the comedy department. That's how life works. Wow. And then I started to meet the guys who were in the comedy section. That was Spruce. That was Jamie. And then I just kind of would go to lunch with them because they were cool. Yep. And I was myself. And they was like, bro, you funny as hell. Like, I was just genuinely being myself, and they already thought I was a comedian. I didn't know nothing about timing, delivery. I didn't know anything about any of that. Just being myself. And then that's when Spruce was like, yo, we want to try to do something with you. And I didn't know what, but they put me in front of the camera, and they had, they had me doing these videos called Morning Juice. And I just started, like, talking on camera about things I thought was funny or stupid. And I used to be like, I used to always talk about what I was mad at. That's where that segment of my podcast comes from. Yeah. And then Jamie, I'll never forget, was like, yo, you're going to be the Mozart of comedy. I didn't know who Mozart was. I'm just being honest. I had no idea how big of a compliment that was. So I kept doing the videos, and they started to do some work. The next thing I know, Spruce was like, yo, I do these comedian showcases, and I want you to give it a shot. But before you do, I want you to go to open mic. So I went to two open mics. 
most comedians, man, you got to grind. It's years of open mics, open mics, open mics to kind of find it. I went to two. And then I went to him and was like, yo, I'm ready. And he put me on the first showcase. And then that's where it picks up from where what he's talking about. Yeah. I literally went out there. And that's what I want people to understand is you're going to get derailed. You're going to be told no. You may not even get the path that you thought you were going to get initially. Yeah. That doesn't mean quit. That doesn't mean you're not good enough. That doesn't mean, you know what I'm saying? It's simply not time. But I didn't give up. And now, look, it's come full circle to where now I'm doing music again today and getting my music on Tales and getting my music on Netflix and all of these things that are happening to me. But I let go of music. And at that time, I was so hurt that I had to give up music that I couldn't even appreciate what was in front of me with comedy. And I was terrified. People were like, how'd you go up there the first time? Terrified. That's how I went up there. Scared to death. I actually wore Army Fatigue Polo Thermal because yeah. I, I was trying to, like, find my inner soldier. That's yeah. real shit. You still got that footage to this day. Yeah. Like, I wore fatigue because I was, like, I was trying to, like, hype myself up because I was scared to death, yo. Couldn't tell. And it was only 13 people in there, but it was the most terrifying shit ever. Shit. Yep. But I Couldn't did tell. it. I did it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, so now you went from 13 people. I think the last show. It was um, over 100 people. It was over 100 people. They didn't even have chairs. Like, people was, like, literally in there. Shoulder to shoulder just to see me. And I was like, I was blown away by that. It was like the most humbling thing ever. Like to see so many people packed in there like sardines because they're waiting to see me. Yeah. And, you know, you said something earlier, too. Sometimes you don't know what your path is going to be. You might be, you know, grinding to get to this one point. You know, I know for me in voiceover, you know, I was told that I didn't have a voice big enough to lead a network. I had an executive pull me into his office and say, look, I know you've been trying to do this thing. I know you like doing this voiceover stuff, but I want you to hear it from me. Your voice isn't big enough to be on TV. And I just want you to hear it from me. I think you should just stop trying to do what you're doing. Yep. It's not going to happen here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you fast forward a year, two years later, now I play a, a character on Transformers. Now I'm on an actual network as a voice, the voice of a network, you know? But had I had listened to that, you know, mm-hmm. and stayed in that box that was created for me that that person saw me in, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Facts. So it's important to, you know, keep going forward. You had struggles. You had situations that ca- came up where, you know, you thought you were going to be doing it this way. You were here for three years. You didn't get the promotion. This didn't happen. But in that moment, it's so hard to see what's ahead, but it built you for where you're at right now. Going through all of those situations you know, made mm-hmm. you stronger. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think everybody in this room has had some kind of situation like that. Yeah. You know, where it makes you stronger. But you have to, you know, uh, perseverance, right? You yep. got to, you know. It's just my keep, word of the year. Yeah. You, you got to keep persevere. going. Exactly. You know? And honestly, got to be a little nutty, too. You realistically. do. No, you, you do. Gotta, it's a little. You do. You know. Fam, when I told people, yo, I'm going to be the greatest comedian ever one day. And if I'm not the greatest, I'm going to be one of them. Remember I used to say yep. that? People used to laugh at me, yo. Like, my my friends, like, people that I thought, they was like, but you're not even, like, you ain't even that funny. Like, yep. this is what your friends will tell you. Yep. When the dude from Funny Bone told me I wasn't good enough to be a comedian, in which he was begging me to come do the Funny Bone a year ago, but that's cool. Like, I expected it from him. But your friends, your family look at you funny, right? Yeah. But I never derailed from that. I still haven't. Like, one of these days, I'm going to perform at the Garden, and they're going to look back and go, damn, Mo." Really said he was going to do that shit, and he did it. But you have to believe that so much within yourself 
that there's nothing that nobody on planet Earth can tell you that will stop you from believing that. If you don't have that, you're not going to get there. Right. It's that simple. Yeah. And people are not going to support you the way you want them to support you until you're already making it. And, you know, truth be told, I started off in radio, and I thought I would stay in radio. And they used to laugh at me. There's people that know me in radio. If you talk to them, they used to laugh at me because sometimes, you see how we're here right now? It's 6 o'clock. I would be in here, you know, doing production, doing this, doing that. And the next thing you know, it would be the next day. They'd come in the next morning, and I'd see the, you know, the morning team coming in, and they'd be like, yo, did you go home last night? Weren't you just You were here. You got the same shit on. You didn't go home. But I loved it that much that, you know, I was just, I was crazy He's locked in. Yeah, I was locked in. You got to be obsessed. Yeah, I was obsessed. I didn't have any money. I was broke. Sometimes I would walk to the station. Sometimes I'd ride my bike there. But I just knew that I loved radio so much, and I loved what I did so much that didn't matter how I got there, whatever, how late. You know, I would eat from the uh, the snack machine. You know, I know I had enough money to buy Cheez-Its. And guess what? If some of the other DJs were around, you know, Chubby Chubb or whoever, yeah. you know, I knew they were going to order food. Yeah. And it's like, all right, cool word. At least I know I'm going to eat tonight. You know what I mean? I remember those days. <laughs> I remember those days. I had to stay close to Charlemagne and Envy and all of them, like, because that was the only way I was going to get something. He's going to eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, that's, that was me, you know? Yeah. I would literally, we go out, I'll carry record crates, I'll do whatever I had to do, you know, and I knew, like, all right, at least maybe I'll get something, you know. This is it. Yeah, this is it. I I'm was going to do whatever in. it takes. Right. Obsessed. You have to be obsessed. If you want to make it and be great at anything, you have to genuinely be obsessed. Find your niche, find your gift, find your talent, and then find what's going to separate you from the people around you, right? Because for me, it was, I saw, like you said, I saw these guys have the same routine, and I realized that's why only 13 people are here, because they know every week they come, they're going to hear something they've already came. Ah. That's where the idea started of, <laughs> I'm never going to tell the same joke. Because if, if you you can come see me every week if you want to, you're going to get new material every time. And people started to go, no one's ever done that. In the history of comedians, no other comedian can say that they have never gotten on stage and told the same joke twice and have been doing comedy for over five years. I've never heard the, no same, I've never heard the same joke from you more than once. Never. And then the other thing, too, you guys don't know Grill on the Hill, Mo. Yeah, it's a, it's a little different, Mo. <laughs> you don't know Grill on the Hill comedy, Mo. <laughs> It's a little bit different. Yeah, a little different. It's a little different. <laughs> yeah, a little right, different. Like, bring it's it out. It's a little different. I mean, Pull it out. It's a yeah, little different. And yeah, I said to you yeah. at the last comedy show, right? Yeah, yeah. I said to you, I said, Mo, I was sitting in the audience and I was wondering, I said, how is he going to pull this off? Because the last time I saw you do comedy was in New York. Right. And so I get there. It's typically an all-black crowd. All-black crowd. Like, real mm. black Latino crowd. Right. You know. Yep. Real urban. Real, yeah, real urban. It's really real urban. It's, yeah. it's hood. You know, it's hood. So I get there, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, oh, shit. Real mixed crowd. This is mixed. This is different. <laughs> this is going to be This is gonna be interesting, because you're going to have to speak to everyone <laughs> in this room. Facts. That's not easy, man. How are you going to do this? Right. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Like, when you observed the crowd, did you take in that same observation? And if you did, what did you respond? How did it affect you? So not the particular show that he's talking about, because I've got a little bit of experience in that area now, but um, 
when I first like got to the Burt Show and started performing in front of a mixed audience, I realized immediately that that is a big part of being a great comedian. Like you really have to read the room. And you might have to change your material. See, I came from a, a point in comedy where you didn't know who was going to be in the crowd. You had no idea. You mm. might go out there and it might be all white. You might go out there and it might be all black. It might be You have to know how to adjust your material to appease everybody. Or you don't, but everybody's not going to enjoy themselves and look forward to coming back. So what he saw that night was what I saw the first night. And, yeah, it's pretty scary. To be honest, because you you go into your bag and you're like, okay, this may offend white people, this may offend black people, this may offend women, <laughs> and then now we living in this world where it's like you can get canceled and you don't want to say anything. Too much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at some point, you do want to talk some truth. Mm-hmm. You do want to give people some things to think about, and I've just adjusted. You know what I'm saying? I've kind of tried to find this place where I could be as much of myself as possible. And not offend anyone, but still make everyone have a good time. And I think I've learned how to do it. Is that what you were getting at? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because the old mo that I knew, I was like, oh, no, this comedy is not going to fly for this particular crowd. Right. I was also a lot less experienced of a comedian then. It was really, it was like you said when you first started, Blake, with like just pure, raw talent. I'm just going out here, just being funny. I didn't truly have... I wasn't a student of comedy then, whereas now I've become a student of comedy, and you learn a lot in doing that, and your delivery, your timing, your presence, your, you know what I'm saying, stage presence, all those things matter, and so I'm a little better at it today than I was at Grill on the Hill. Yeah. But no. that mo was like, that just was a special mo, man. That was broke mo. Oh. We got him. <laughs> yeah, we, we got, got clips. Yeah, I have clips. I, I was telling him earlier, I got this joke that to this day, people are like, bro, you have to bring that joke back. Well, I talk about the differences between black, white, and Latin barbecues. Is yes. Everybody who's heard that joke is like their favorite joke. I mean, you could do it now, or you want to wait and hold it. I could, but it's different when it's on stage, because it's a lot of, move, it's a lot of yeah, movement nah. that's hold involved it, with it. it. I'm going to hold it, but I think I'm going to do it in April. For the first okay. time, I'm going to allow myself to do a joke twice. Because I've just always prided my, I've just, like, nah, I'm never going to do the same joke because I want to always be the comedian who's like, none of y'all have done that. Boy, if you don't go all the way. Katie, I ain't go all the way? No, you did. You went all the way in this one. This really? one, you went all the way. Yeah. I, okay. I, I was a different oh, mode yeah. than Blake has ever seen, for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, Blake, I, you missed it. See, and that's what I don't think Keon knows is, like, that show was as close to Grill on the Hill Mo as I've been since I've been in Atlanta by far. Really? Yeah, bro. Like the other shows that I've done in Atlanta as like Burt Show Mo. Yep. They weren't nearly that. Like wow. I really got to the point where I, I told Katie, I was like, fuck that. I'm going back to the old me. Yeah. But this was a, it was still like an even kill. It was a good in between mix of old Mo versus, you know, where you're at now. You still got to evolve. With the comedy. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Um, Still really good. It was good. It was good before. It's good now. But I've seen the the evolution in it. You I know appreciate what I mean? that. Yes, sir. Yeah. I appreciate you know? That's why I wanted to get your perspective on it. Yeah, no. Because we've grinded, boy. Yeah. And look at us now. Man, I'm trying to tell you. You walking around with $8,000 watches and shit. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? This right here. Come on, man. You know what I mean? Come on. This Blake, thing is jealous. It's probably $10,000. I don't know. This $50 and, uh, you know. Okay, so this we lying now. <laughs> Who's next? Before we get out of here, we talked about the toilet bandit oh, last shit. week. 